Attention, please. Welcome into Yap Chicago, a sports and lifestyle show. And we appreciate you hitting play wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And download. And download. Make sure you download. You can follow the show at Yap Chicago underscore on Twitter or at Yap Chicago on Instagram. You can also give us a call and leave us a message at 312-985-6006. As always, this episode is brought to you by Tribe Coffee Co. They have whatever coffee you crave. In those early mornings, afternoon pick-me-ups, or even that late night, you want that cafecito con pan dulce, stop playing Ooh. with me. You got the light roast, dark roast, espresso, decaf, whatever you want. Don't miss out on the smooth, bold, rich flavors of Tribe Coffee. To support this local coffee company or their show, visit TribeCoffeeCo.com and enter promo code YAPSHY, Y-A-P-C-H-I, at checkout for 10% off your order. And follow them, too, because they actually had a, a little video on Instagram the other day yep. where they made iced coffee with it. That should look fire. I mean, iced coffee, cold brew, whatever you want, man. It's it's really good coffee. I'm your host, Edgar Perez. And as always, sitting here next to me is Leezy. What to do, baby? And we're here to recap a busy, busy weekend. A ton of stuff happened over the weekend. The Bears wrapped up their rookie minicamp. The Bulls wrapped up their season. We're going to have Cameron Smith on later from the stadium to recap the Bulls season and the wild roller coaster that it was. We also had a pretty good UFC card that we watched over the weekend. But let's get into some baseball. Yes, sir. White Sox number one power in the power rankings for MLB, baby. Let's go. Are you believing now, finally? No. I'm so scared. Oh, my gosh. Especially after Jose Abreu fucking got hurt twice in one weekend. You see, it just seems like shit's supposed to go wrong, you know? But you're you're the best record in the AL. You're number one in a bunch of power rankings, and it's just not enough to to make you happy here. All right, so this is my thing, and this is my favorite phrase when you have no legitimate reason to argue. Yeah, but still. All right. No, I mean, it is encouraging the fact that obviously they have the number one record in the AL, but it's also the fact that these injuries are starting to pile up and you have Eloy gone, you have Luis Robert gone, and now Jose Abreu. Not only did he get into that collision that you started making fun of him about, because because, I I wasn't making fun of him for it, I was just making fun of the. The dramatic yeah, everyone, call of it. Everyone's like, oh, my God, right. look at the wreckage and the carnage. There's body parts all over the field. Chopped his fucking head off. Oh, <laughs> it's like they ran into each other. Yeah, they're two big guys, so it's going to hurt. But, like, but, who, Buddy's fine. He got a cut in his face, and he's he's a fine. He's, he has no concussion. He's all right. And you know Jose Abreu don't run fast, so they were going super slow at each other. <laughs> right, and the, and the other guy was just dipping around the, was it Grandal behind the plate? Yeah, that, and I think he just knew that it was a pop-up, so he was looking down at the yeah, floor. Yeah, he looked down, and he was, like, kind of ducking around Grandal, and they ran into each other. Yeah, it hurts. I'm not saying it didn't hurt, but, like... Yeah, it wasn't as... Holy cracked. crap. Yeah, if you yeah. saw... If you were watching the game live, the broadcast sounded like, you know... Like it his was a leg fuck. broke, and yeah, like freaking, he got hit by a truck or something. Yeah, I was like, relax, everybody, we'll calm down. He just ran into each other. It's fine. Yeah. We cheer this every time on on NFL Sundays when guys run into each other. It's it's he's going to be okay. We cheered for it on Saturday when we were watching UFC, like, <laughs> <laughs> like legitimately. Yeah, I mean, Jose Abreu, he's going to miss this twin series uh, after hurting his ankle on the Sunday game. Exactly. <laughs> See? He like, came back and he played the entire season, the, the entire series, the weekend series, and then. Uh, 
he put the exclamation point at the end of that series against uh, KC. Stole home on a, on a wild pitch, and uh, turns out he he kind of messed up his ankle. He has a little inflammation there. Yeah, and I, I guess hopefully he it's only for this twin series, but stuff like that. It just seems like things are piling up, and God forbid there's an, an injury on the pitching staff because honestly, like that's another thing. Giolito been pitching like ass. Yeah, like he he's struggling. You can tell that it's all mental because his velocity is still there, but he's just pacing on the mound nonstop, and it just seems like he's doubting himself, and other teams are keying in on that. Well, it doesn't seem to hurt him much in game one of this uh, series here against the Twins as the, the White Sox just fucking thrash him 16-4. to four. It could have been 20 if Jose was there, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it, it does suck. I mean... Aside from the the other two injuries, Jose Jose's injury doesn't seem to be one that's going to keep him out. He's just going to sit out this series and he'll be back for the the series against the Yankees. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think it's going to be that serious, but it's it's still scary. Um, just being pessimistic and whatnot. But sixteen oh four today's the Nicky Madrigal game. He has where were you? He had what two home runs today? Two home runs. I always make fun of him because he's such a slap hitter that it seems like he's. Fucking barely making it out of the infield most of the time. Yeah. But I guess today he actually hit it out the, out the fucking park. Maybe it's just the fact that the Twins are ass. <laughs> <laughs> They're fucking dead. They have the worst uh, record in the in baseball, I think, right? Yeah, and the Sox have the best differential runs in runs in the entire league. And I think it's like 20 run difference between first and second. But I also don't want to be a front runner team where we're beating the shitty team 16-4. I want them to actually beat those teams that you're going to face in the playoffs. Who do you got after the Yankees? I think it's Yankees and then... Let me pull it up, sir. And Cleveland again, probably? So, yeah, you're probably just going to... Well, Cleveland's been giving us problems. Fucking Shane Bieber's been lat-tad against us. Yep. So, it's uh, Yankees, Cardinals, Orioles, and then Indians. So, you got a pretty good stretch here uh, to finish out the month of May. Yeah, Yankees bats are starting to wake up though. I think Aaron Judge yeah. hit five home runs in the three games this weekend. Yeah, you going? Yeah, you're going to New York to play that, and then you come in home to face St. Louis and Baltimore. Which St. Louis winnable games? They're not doing super hot, right? No, I think they're second in the, the division. First, and then Milwaukee second. So what the fuck? You guys are in third. It happens, you know. It's, <laughs> it's early. It's baseball. It's a, it's a game of runs, and it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a hit or miss league or what. <laughs> Sometimes you got to wake up and find a way to win a game. And eh. and life is like a box of chocolates. Something, <laughs> <laughs> something along those lines. Oh, man. Yeah, well, the Cubs start off a four-game series against the Nationals, uh, starting with John Lester taking him out, making his return to Wrigley Field uh, tonight, which is Monday night when we're recording this. He only went five and one-third innings, gave a five runs, only got four Ks. Jason Hayward, Contreras, and Javi all took him deep. Kyle Schroeder making his return too. He got a he he got a home run in a walk. So, but the Cubs pull out a victory, seven to three. I mean, our boy Bowling is actually at that game too. Bowling was at the game. Yeah, he tweeted out a couple of videos. Uh, the so, Cubs was did a very good. It was a very nice thing that the Cubs did. They played the his walk up song when he walked up to his first at bat. Ovations all around for both Schroeder and uh, Lester and John Lester. It was a very. Uh, Emotional game for all, all Cubs fans. That's like the only thing we can hang our hats on right now because we're having such a pedestrian season that you know you guys are happy when we're just waiting for these moments, right? When opposing players feel. are doing well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you wish John Lester, you know, was a little better. I mean we didn't have to beat his ass like that, but 
Yeah, he's been washed like the past like year or two. Though. Yeah, so it, it it sucks that he makes his return to Wrigley and he gets knocked around like that. But y'all get free Miller lights over there or what? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't go out for that. Uh, for that fucking promotion. Yeah, the fucking uh, drinks on John or something you like that. Should have go ran up a tab somewhere, boy. <laughs> yeah, and if people don't know, uh, John Lester actually picked up the tab for Miller Lights in particular. Yeah, I think it was just Miller Lights. Was and it? like four different bars around Chicago. Yeah, and that's just fucking dope. I mean, it kind of sucks that you guys had to let him go. Obviously, business is business, and business is not booming for the Cubs. Yeah, kind of dirty business if, uh, from it, what we've heard about that situation with the Cubs. That I mean, they lowballed him. Not only that, but like he he didn't want really much to stay with the Cubs. I think the last I heard was that he was like, "Yo, just give me like two mil and I'll, I'll stay for one year. I don't care. I just want to pitch in front of the Cubs, in front of a uh, Cubs fans to be in my final year." Yeah, that fucking sucks. And they were like, "Nah, we we're good." And then, uh, but I mean, yeah. Schwarber was what like two million more than Jack Peterson. Yeah, I mean, Jack's been playing well, right? Mm, he's his bat's coming alive as was recently. He had a kind of a, a cold start to start the year, but. Jack Peterson's uh, waking up here, but would I have wanted Schwarber to stick around? I think so, but uh, just because of the pop in his bat. Yeah, but I mean, supposedly Jock is coming with that kind of pop too. But we were yet to see it this season so far. But uh, no, best of luck to to Kyle Schwarber. I'm glad he landed somewhere else, and I we'll have all those memories of him just hitting bombs off of scoreboards and on top of scoreboards. one on top of the scoreboard. <laughs> I, I will say for Cubs fans, I'm going to apologize off the bat. I already Damn text right. you the fact that uh. I killed oh, Matt Duffy's batting a, average. You son of a bitch. I picked him up in my fantasy baseball league, and within the first, like, four games that I had him, he, I think he went, like, three for 15. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I effectively ended Matt Duffy's baseball career. Matt Duffy won for four and a run today. He's hitting 228. He's hitting 282. 282, but check, like, the past week or two. Yeah, and, yeah, I know. And then he was hurt a little bit too, right? Was that him? Yeah. yeah. Cubs just getting back uh, healthy too. They had, we had we have a we had a couple injuries sprinkled around too. You weren't the only uh, team that had with those dealing with injuries. Maybe we're not having season long <laughs> injuries like, like you guys with uh, your groins and shoulders flying off everywhere. But uh, and the fact that they're players that we're trying to actually build it around for the future and shit. Yeah, I mean, Nico's going to be here a while. Nico, you imagine Ian Happ got banged up. Do you think he's going to be here a while? I think so. It's still a little early for him. So, like I said, the Cubs take Game One over the Nationals seven to three, and the Sox also whooped that ass sixteen to four today on the on the first game of the Twins against the Twin Series. They got three. Yeah, you got three against three against the Twins. So, who do you think has a brighter future, the Sox or the Bears? Bears default. Fuck you. That's the default answer. I mean, come on, even Sox fans don't care about that. They want. They, everyone wants to see the Bears succeed. Right. I'm not asking you who you want. Who do you think has a brighter future? The Bears. You stupid. <laughs> <laughs> You're lying. That's, that's just always Bears. I mean, they just wrapped up the rookie mini camp. All reports out of camp from all the beat writers is that Boy, Justin Marcus. Fields is going to start week one. He's looking crispy out there. He's looking like a real quarterback. He's taking command. He's he's picking up wide receivers and, you know, telling them what they saw. He's communicating out on the field. Man, if – a lot of hype coming out of this weekend was, wait, what if Justin Fields starts week one? What, if he, what if he beats so. Andy Dalton out? I don't think that'll happen. The only reason I think it's not going to happen is the fact that they're against the Rams week one, and I and it's primetime game. I don't think they want to put that pressure on that first game for, for Justin Fields. 
I mean, whatever game he starts is going to be a the, the pressure game. It's whenever com- he gets his first start, but it's completely different a fucking twelve o'clock game compared to Sunday night football. Yeah, man, you're gonna have to do this at some point. Get right. out there, rook. You're showing that talent off. It's all right if you lose. I, the the example everyone brings up is Russell Wilson, especially the way that he was speaking in the news conference or right the post yeah mini camp right. conferences. Um, he was talking about leading the huddle. He was talking about the way that he actually wants to lead everyone off of the field as well, and the example that he wants to set for everyone to let everyone know, hey, I'm actually the leader of this team, and you guys can trust me. The way that he's speaking sounds like Russell Wilson, and I may not like Russell Wilson, but. If Fields could be a uh, Russell Wilson, then, uh, <laughs> we got a quarterback, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, if if not the Rams, so you just think he's going to go week? They're just going to wait a week. Yeah, that Don's going to stink it up that bad against the Rams. I think that Aaron Donald will hurt him, and it will make our choice easier. I mean, well, I hope he. I hope he's okay. I hope it's a minor injury, but yeah, sure. If he, uh, if he's like, ah, coach, my leg, exactly. <laughs> Justin, get in there. Hopefully not an Alex Smith situation. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> we'll just say he got a he got a bad cramp. Right. Oh, that. my God. Like Dak Prescott. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Tony Romo. <laughs> if you guys didn't see that when Dak Prescott had his season ending. God, I forgot about that. Career-altering injury. Tony Romo was like, it looks like he has a cramp while his fucking bone is yeah, sticking out was, of his leg. I think he, he said that. During the replay of it, I think the replay was going on. The and, replay was going on. And you on. said it. <laughs> and it like panned to him holding his leg while his ankle was like dangling <laughs> off. Me and you look at each other we're like, Did this man just call that a cramp? <laughs> Holy shit. Like, damn, that dude tough. Well, I was kind of hoping Justin Fields wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't take the field till probably the, the, the Vegas game. It's game four games for Dalton. He sucks. The breaking point is them losing at home against the Lions. And then Man Aggie comes out Monday morning and was like, you know what? We tried it out with Dalton. Bringing out Justin Fields for the Raiders game? Yup. Are you just being a little bit selfish because we're going to be in Vegas? Are we? Is that, is that the same Is that the same weekend we're, we're going oh, to uh, be in Vegas? Is that, um, hype ass. Oh, man. As soon as the schedule comes out, we end up Look at booking that. tickets to Vegas. Dude, as soon as I saw the first rumored date. Of when they were going to be in Vegas. It wasn't even like a confirmed. Solid. Solid uh, tweet out for anybody. It was just literally a beat reporter is like. Hey guys. I'm hearing. It's going to be week five. <laughs> as soon as they said that man. I hopped on my Southwest app so fast. And booked my flight. Because I knew those prices were just going to. Skyrocket. Fucking skyrocket. I wonder how much they are now. But yeah. I mean we booked their ticket right away. We we're just like fuck it. Yeah. We'll you could, it you could always change the date if it wasn't. Yeah. If it wasn't that one. We'll figure it out later. That'd be pretty cool if um, Justin Fields actually started for the first time the week that we were over there, and that would, would just be wild as fuck. Would that be more pressure no. than week one? No. I don't see how we, that would be a 12 o'clock game. Yeah, 3 o'clock, but, you know. I don't know, man. Vegas, I mean, you, you know that thing's going to be packed full of Bears fans. I don't think it's that. I think it's more so of knowing that people are going to see it outside of like Chicago and the stadium itself. And I also, I, I just it, it, it doesn't strike me like they're going to baby him the way they babied Mitch in in that sense. Like if if he's if he legitimately beats out Justin uh, if Andy Dalton for the starting quarterback position, I expect them to to you know for have them to have full pants. confidence in him and say, "Yo, put your big boy pants on. We start in prime time, baby." Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just feel like it's not a it's not something that I'm wanting a hundred percent. Of course, I want fucking Justin Fields to beat out Andy Dalton and be. Like, fuck it, we have to put him as the quarterback because he's absolutely killing it right now. 
Of course, that's what I want ultimately, but I'd be okay if Andy Dalton started game one because it's also going to be a rough game for the Bears to win. I'm with you in the sense of I want to see Justin Fields start, but I also, I, I, yeah, I do agree that Dalton's going to get that start. And I don't think it's going to be just for one game either. I think, you know, like I said, they're going to let Justin Fields get a, get used to everything. I mean, Andy Dalton would have to go out there throwing ducks in order for them, him to get pulled. And he's not that, he's not that bad. He's not that bad. He's not that bad. So I think he's going to hang on to to that starting job for a while. He's prototypical average quarterback. Yeah, the Bears and Andy Dalton would have to come out to a really bad start to get Justin Fields uh, out on the field that early in the season. But for our own selfish reasons uh, and for the hopes of all Bear fans around the city, we uh, really want that to happen. Bear Dan. And as the Bears season gets started, the Chicago Bulls wrap up theirs. Uh, They missed their opportunity to make the play-in tournament. So we talked to Cameron Smith from Stadium to recap the season for the Bulls. The NBA regular season has come to an end, and the playing tournament starts Tuesday, May 18th. Chicago Bulls will have to watch from home as they finish the year 31-41. and 41. And joining us on Yap Chicago to break it all down is Cameron Smith. You can catch him on the MSG Networks and covering the NBA on stadium. Cam, how you doing tonight, man? I'm good, man. It's good, it's good to be uh, back on with you guys. It's been a minute, of course. We were having that conversation about this Bulls team before we got into the season, so uh, a lot of a lot of things have have changed uh, for the worst and for the good. So <laughs> I'm ready to jump into it. Yeah, the Bulls' uh, season didn't go as as planned. I mean, we knew it was kind of be it was going to be a little rough. It was going to be more of a developmental. Let's see what we got kind of year, and they kind of teased us early on with some of their performances, and we thought, hey, maybe they got a chance this year. They got a a pretty good chance of making the playing tournament here, and it didn't quite happen as Zach Levine has to sit out with uh, the NBA COVID-19 protocol and he comes back a little too late after they dropped all those games and they finished the season well winning five out of the last seven but it wasn't enough to get in there. Cam how did you see the Bulls finishing out this year? Were were they better off still trying to get into that tournament or at that point you were kind of hoping for them to you know pack it up and try to hang on to that trying to hang on to a top draft pick? Yeah, man, it's never it's never easy trying to tell a competitor, and that's what Zach Levine, um, Vucci Main, Nikola Vucevic is, um, like all of these guys are, um, to have that conversation, especially with a head coach like Billy Donovan, who we know from his playing days at Providence to his coaching days at Florida to his time in the NBA with Oklahoma City, a guy that um, just no- understands that competing is 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 the best respect you can give to the game. So, with all of that said. Given the situation that the Bulls were in with Zach being out, we knew with the ground that they had to make up in order just to get to probably a 10th or maybe ninth seed in the East, it was damn near impossible, right? I mean, you're missing one of the more dynamic scoring guards in the NBA, a guy that was um, a first-year all-star in Zach Levine that uh, for a lot of people, even for myself, when the trade happened uh, at the trade deadline, with bringing in Vucevic from Orlando to Chicago and the Bulls getting rid of some of that dead weight, you thought that this is going to be a tandem that would be able to push the Bulls forward to solidifying themselves. It's not even just a 10 or 9 seed, but possibly a 7 or 6 seed just because the East was so tight as you came down that final stretch. So with Levine being out because of the health and safety protocols and the Bulls in that, I think, the last 12 games – had a hell of a schedule, right? They they faced Brooklyn twice. They faced Milwaukee twice. Um, they had to play against Miami. So those are all teams that were, one, kind of fighting to stay within their shots of making the playoffs, but then, two, also trying to solidify their playoff positions, right? When you think of Brooklyn and you think of Milwaukee teams that want to kind of get the easier road 
to the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals. So they weren't going to sit their star guys. And we saw that from the last game when the Bulls played Brooklyn and Brooklyn. It was one of the rare times that we saw James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving on the floor playing basketball. So they weren't going to wave the white flag. And just the Bulls were in just position where they were out, man. They didn't have enough talent. And we knew what the result was going to be. But in the end, though, uh, what I saw from them in those final games was what they didn't uh, – I guess for many people in Chicago expect them to do. And that was just to lay down. They still competed again, going back to Billy Donovan and just who he is. And then if you want to kind of put a, a cherry on, on top of the season or whatever it is, however you want to call it, you know, they got a win against Milwaukee. So it's like, Hey, we ended the season on a positive (laughs) note. Yeah. That can carry us into however many weeks or days we have before the NBA draft uh, occurs. But uh, they they just didn't really have a chance with Levine being out. And that sucks for them, and it really sucks for Zach because I know he's watching his guys just going through it and knowing that they would be a different team if he was there. Yeah, and you know what? You hit it on the head, the fact that when Levine was out, it kind of felt like it brought the morale of the team down a bunch, and it felt like we were outmanned in every game. But the fact that they won five out of the last seven games from the season – it kind of made it feel like they're trying to build something culture-wise that's going to be, as you stated, not laying down. And I think that's what the front office wanted to do with the team, and that's why they didn't pull some of the starters. And I would say one thing. From the beginning of the season, I am I was a Zach Levine hater. I was, I'm going to put my hand up, you know. <laughs> I would say he's good, good stats, bad team guy. But he proved that he could do a lot more this year. Do you think he proved enough that he can actually be a 1A on a team? I don't think he'll be a 1A. I just don't think that Zach has that. And when we talk 1A, we're talking about a guy that can lead you to an Eastern Conference Finals, an NBA Finals, or, you know, really super big picture, an NBA Championship. I don't think that Zach is that, and that's no knock to his game and who he is as a player because he's a hell of a player. Again, he proved himself this year in the NBA where a lot of eyes are going to be on him in this Bulls team. But more importantly, what he is is a, an essential piece. And I'm talking like a a second or third uh, key guy on a championship team. And maybe leaning towards in between and pushing towards a little bit more the, 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 the third spot as opposed to the second spot. Because let's face it, right, you're going to need three true guys in today's NBA to really get you over the hump and get you a championship, right? I mean, if – if you look at the recent NBA champion in the Lakers with LeBron and AD, you can't really count that as a dynamic duel because LeBron counts as two dudes. Like you can't just say he's one guy. He's just that damn good that he accounts for just being two people within himself. And then you throw AD to be that third person. So um, what Zach showed me this year was his playmaking ability. At least I, you know, I didn't, you know, throw Levine under the bus like he did, bro, but not to do that to you. But at the same time, I didn't think that Zach was a playmaker. I thought he was just a scorer. And if we remember that game against Portland in Portland early in the season, I thought the Bulls were going to be in trouble with Zach playing point guard. And he really is from what we've seen throughout Zach Levine's career. That's not it's him game. being on the wing, catching him in fast break, pulling up, dunking on people. You never saw Zach setting people up for buckets or running an offense or being the head of the snake defensively uh, for a group. And he was all of that important. So what Zach did for, for me that game was like, okay, Cam, chill out. You don't know every piece of my game. I just showed you another part of my game, which something the Bulls will be able to build on. And I know that Billy Donovan is going to be working with his coaching staff. And of course, AK and Mark Eversley in the front office are going to have those meetings where they're going to try and see one, 
who we can bring in that can aid Zach's playmaking ability. But then, two with Billy, how can we drop some plays and put him and Vucevic in pick and roll situations and try and space things out with another shooter on the wing? So that gives Zach options as opposed to it just being a two man game or it's just being Zach one on one, which we've seen so many times this year. And it just felt bad for the guy like that. He had to continue to create shots and score and score and score. But that's what it was. And that's the responsibility that he had. He didn't shy away from it. He didn't pile about it in the media like he needed more help. He didn't do any of that. But the Bulls knew the struggles that he was dealing with. And they got him more help with that trade with Vucevic. So uh, what Zach showed me was one, his playmaking ability, ability, but then also raising his scoring level and how he scores to a different uh to a different uh platform in the plateau. So um I've been impressed with what Zach has done this year. Yeah, his playmaking ability was actually shown a lot more this year, I would say. And it's something that you you stated it, you hit it on the head. It's the fact that you kind of feel like he didn't have that part in his game before and he really showed that out. And he tried a lot more on defense. But the good thing is that we did draft Project Pat to, you know, but there we go. There we go. Say it again, Lee. Say it again. <laughs> and we always give you proper credit whenever yep. it got, got brought up on Twitter, man. We 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 know where it came from. We always shout out Cam for the Project Pat. <laughs> I appreciate. Yep. I, I appreciate the the Yat family. Thank you. Thank you. But but the Bulls uh, drafted Project Pat, and he's going to be our future defensive stopper. I would say, and he definitely showed promise this year. Uh, what do you think? What do you think of Project Project Pat's rookie season? And also the reason I bring it up is because Thad Young today in the conference, he actually said that he thinks that, you know, we have the right team built. It's just dependent on Project Pat Pat actually taking those next strides to be able to become a more complete player. Yeah, man. Um, the, The scary thing about Patrick Williams is that he's still young. Like he's not even 21 yet and not even close to being 21. So, um, if you look at what R.J. Barrett is doing, and not to compare R.J. Barrett and and uh, Patrick Williams in, in, in the same light, but still, it took R.J. his second year to really fully get into who he is as a player with that next team. And for a guy like Patrick Williams, who we saw at times throughout the season, would would do some things where you're like, that's the dude that we drafted at number four. Like, that's what AK and Mark Eversley in this front office and Billy Donovan saw that some people didn't see. I'm not going to say all people, but some people didn't see that were just kind of trying to clown this dude when he got drafted um, last year. So uh, what he showed was, one, that he's still young, that he's going to have to go through the rigors of understanding how to play NBA basketball on a consistent night, especially on the defensive end. Um, But, two, he also showed that he's not scared or afraid of anything. And at that level, right, I mean, that could be cliche, like, oh, you know, he's not afraid of anybody or he doesn't back down. Like, you're not supposed to back down from anybody. It doesn't matter if you're in the NBA or whatever it is. Um, but at the same time, for a kid that took on the assignments of guarding a LeBron or, or a Kawhi or a Paul George or even sometimes with, with Phoenix and Devin Booker, like all of those different matchups that he had, or even Giannis, we, we, we heard Pat talk about, you know, Giannis, that he couldn't wait until the next time that he defended him because he started to pick up little things um, from Giannis's game that he thought would be able to help him on the defensive end to get stopped. So all of those, those tests, I will call that, uh, of going against some of the game's best and the game's elite will only make Patrick a better player going forward. And so that's just defensively, right? I mean, how many times offensively have we seen him 
do some things out there where we're like, oh, I didn't know he had that. Like, you know, pull up going left or pull up going right or going to the basket strong and finishing or crashing the boards uh, for an offensive rebound or, or uh, put back dunk or layup, whatever it was. So like those little things are um, just uh, bookmarks uh, for what he can be able to add and also have within this game as he grows in this league, as he gets older. So, uh, as a as a whole for his rookie season, I would say decent. Like if you're from Chicago, you know what decent means. Like it could be depending <laughs> True. on what context it is. Like Patrick Williams had a had a decent rookie season. Like it wasn't anything where decent. he should have been. <laughs> right, right. He was, <laughs> like he, he wasn't gonna he's not gonna be an all rookie team guy. He's not gonna be rookie of the year. And that's cool. Um, because he has a different role with this Bulls team, as you mentioned, Lee. He's going to be – they're trying to mold him as the defensive stopper, and his offense will come. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, Patrick Williams had a decent rookie year. You look at his numbers across the board, nine points, four rebounds, almost two assists. Could shoot the ball a little bit better um, in times, especially uh, on the catch and shoot. Uh, those are things that he's going to have to work on, especially within the offense of Zach and Vucevic and how he's going to be able to get his looks. Uh, a guy that's going to be either deep corner on the wings when that penetration uh, comes in and that kickout comes to Pat, he has to be able to knock those shots down. So, And that will come with time. Um, he will become a better shooter. So um, I say all that to say, again, that Patrick Williams had a decent rookie season. He will solidify why the Bulls chose him at, at the number four spot. Yeah, and I felt like he was always the best when he was aggressive going towards the basket. And that's right. something that uh, Kobe White was doing pretty well by the end of the year. Do you think that he was actually adjusting to the point guard position, or do you think that he's still kind of – see, I always clown Kobe because I'm always like he, – he seems like a low kid where he's just like, I'm going to go as fast as I can towards the basket. <laughs> and, and he kind of seems out of control sometimes. And because of that, it seems like he doesn't set up correct plays or he's not setting up the offense for everyone else. It's kind of like – I'm used to being super fast. I'm just going to run towards his basket. Do you think he's actually adjusting to the point guard position, or do you think that he still has a lot of room for growth? Because that's what I think, that he needs, yeah. he needs to grow a lot as a point guard. Yeah, and you're asking him to play the toughest position in basketball, especially in, in the NBA, um, on the offensive and defensive, like the matchups that Kobe had to go against all season long. Like, there were no breaks. Like, if you want to throw Minnesota out there, like, oh, yeah, he might have got a break against Minnesota. Like, yeah, okay, well, when D'Angelo Russell was healthy, this is a dude that was a former all-star or even a young bull like Anthony Edwards. Like, they weren't going to cut Kobe any slack on that end of the floor. Um, so what this year was for Kobe was a look in the mirror of, one, uh, who are you? And asking yourself that question. And then, two, uh, who do you want to be? Right. Because given the makeup of this team, they're going to need someone that's going to set up, especially now um, with Nikola Vucevic here with the Bulls. They're going to need someone to set up this offense. Uh, if you can score in certain spots, fine. But you're not going to be that one, two, maybe even sometimes third option, depending on what happens um, with Laurie. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get into that at some point uh, with the Bulls next year. I don't think he will be get into that i'm sure but obi has to understand that what his game is with this makeup of this team is going to be a setup guy that's what it is and be ready to knock down open threes and open shots when that ball is kicked out to you so for i'll I'll compare it to this right so 
we're all used to certain things in our daily routine and our daily life. Right. And if you've been doing the same routine every morning or every night before you go to bed or you've been ha- or you've had the same job or same role within your job, let's say what Kobe's still in is what he's early 20s. I want to say what he's like 20, maybe 21, somewhere around there. Right. But this kid has been a score since he picked up a basketball and he hasn't been really dependent on to set up offense or play make for other people. You saw him in his job in North Carolina, and that's what I call it. It was a job. He had a job to score the basketball in North Carolina, and that's what he was. So to be able to try and transition from a score to a point guard in the middle of the season, that's a difficult ask for a young kid that's still trying to figure out who he is on the basketball court. And let's be honest, still trying to figure out who he is as, as a young man, as a professional. So, um, he has a lot to to kind of learn and understand, and hopefully that comes in meetings and sit downs with Billy Donovan and the rest of the coaching staff to to transform his game into what they need him to be. And being a scorer is just not what they need him to be. Let's just be honest on that, and no no doubt about it. Like he had a better uh, second half of the season than he did in the first half, right? Especially when Zach was out those games and being able to knock down shots. But he he has to be a point guard. He has to be a setup guy that, again, can knock down shots when the ball is swung over to him. He can't be a guy that's putting up 15 to 20 shots a game. That's just not going to work with the makeup of this uh, offensive team. And you know what? You brought up Lori, and that was a point that we want to hit on as well. It seemed like he was the most frustrating player to actually watch on the Bulls team because there would be three-minute stretches where he's dunking on people, stepping back and hitting threes, and then you don't, you don't hear it. For the rest of the game from him, he'll get like two rebounds the rest of the game or something. Right. And it seems like the front office keeps talking him up and they keep saying that they love him, that they love his style. What do you think is going to be long term for the Bulls? Do you think that we're actually going to try to give him a contract since he's going to be a restricted free agent? Listen, man, I still blame Jim Boylan for ruining Laurie Markin's <laughs> career, man. He ruined you, Laurie. I'm the only person that probably feels that way, but he ruined you, man. You had a hell of a rookie year, and then it just all went downhill after that. Um, but in all seriousness, though, he he never really – and we know the injuries that Laurie has has, has faced uh, throughout his career, and it's some things that have sidelined him for an extended period of uh, stretches during the season. And he never really truly was able to really get a rhythm back into one who he was as a player. And then you have the different makeup of the team happening, whether that's guys uh, being out for injuries themselves or guys being traded. So he never really understood what his identity was going to be with his team. Does he come back with the Bulls next year? I don't think so. Like Billy Donovan sounds good um, in the season ending interview and the exit interviews and all that. And, and the front office talking up Laurie, but we know this is a business. He hasn't produced for the, for the Bulls and, and especially with him uh, kind of really betting on himself that he was going to have a big year. It didn't turn out that way. So if anybody was in that position, if we are Billy Donovan or if we're Arturis Konashovis or Mark Eversley, we're not throwing any money to Laurie. Like, we, you're like, okay, well, we appreciate you for what you've done um, and good luck the rest of your career. That's just the business of it because they're going to need guys in that are going to be able to produce consistently but then also stay healthy. And the knock on Laurie is that he's, he's, he's never healthy. And he never can find a rhythm. So um, for him, he showed those flashes during the year where we have these big scoring outputs. He catch a few bodies like he did against Milwaukee the other night in that Bulls win, which is just like, man, if, if we had that Laurie for like 72 games and just like 
aggressive and rebounding and using all of his, you know, seven foot frame and all that stuff and knocking down shots, we wouldn't have this conversation. Like Laura would be getting a bag in the offseason. But, you know, it's the flip side. It's the opposite of that. So I don't see him being back with the Bulls next year. Um, I think he'll be able to, uh, to, to, to latch on with another team and, and see how he'll be able to find his game. I think maybe the second, second act for Laurie is probably going to be one of his best acts. He's got to be one of the smallest seven footers I've ever seen in the court, man. The way, the way that he plays, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, that's yeah. always been one of my main criticisms about Laurie. Is that I, you see him play, and I, I tell these all the time. It's like he forgets that he's seven feet tall. You know, he's right, too much of right, a finesse right. player. He's, wants to hang out on, outside. Right, right. I mean, he's like one of those guys that is like you know a seven footer when he catches the basketball standing up, but then when he makes his move, like he shrinks down to like six feet. And it's like, okay, well, damn. Where are you going? It feels like you're driving in the trees. Like, no, bro, you are the tree. Go jump on somebody. Go get a bucket. And really, like, one of the last questions I had really for you is, um, do you think the Vucevic trade was worth it, man? Hell yeah. For for Hell the long yeah, run? It I, it, I, obviously, it wasn't worth it for this year because we didn't make the playoffs. But for the long term, you still think it was worth it? Yeah, for the long term, it's worth it. Uh, and this is... And I say this in the most respectful way as I can, but Wendell Carter Jr. has untapped potential that we really wasn't able, weren't able to see in Chicago. Daniel Gafford, same thing with him. Um, they were dead he, weight. He's they, been like Bill Russell, ready. man. Gafford. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're making the playoffs, so Gafford <laughs> is probably like, hey, look, I'm glad I got out of Chicago. I ain't got to deal with that. I'm not going to be home. I'm at least going to be trying to compete for something. But they, but they were guys that just never – again, we're able to catch a rhythm with his team, especially Wendell. Like, Wendell's a good guy, good kid. I've interviewed him a number of times, especially uh, during the pre-draft process in Chicago um, at Quest Multisport when he was there and, and had some other interviews with him. But it just never worked out for him uh, playing-wise with the Bulls. And we all know the beginning of the season, especially in training camp, at lead again to the beginning of the season, the whole talk was about Wendell and him improving his three-point shot and you never really saw him just feel comfortable or just look comfortable knocking down shots. And he didn't really knock shots down. So um, he's somebody that, you know, had to be, had to be shipped out. And you think about what the bulls brought in with Vucevic and, you know, who he is one of the more dominant centers in the NBA. Right. I mean, after Embiid, after Jokic, um, and I'm not saying that anybody that's trying to read, too deeply into this if that's my pick for NBA MVP no order but uh the the next best name on that list if you're talking about big man is uh Nikola Vucevic like that that's the guy because consistently he's been putting up all-star numbers and is a problem with really any matchup on the offensive end across the board, even for Jokic and also Embiid, because he takes you in different spaces where sometimes those guys aren't comfortable and moving. And if you remember when Vucevic was with Orlando, every time the Bulls played Vucevic and the Magic, he gave whoever was playing the center spot that night buckets. Like if you remember when Paul Gasol was with the Bulls, Vucevic was giving Gasol problems. And I'm not talking about a, a, you know, I'm riding into the sunset, Paul Gasol. Like he still had some go in him when he was with the Bulls. And he couldn't do anything with Vucevic. So I think that that move was 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 really one to keep Zach happy, but then also keeping this team uh, in a competitive state because you want this to be an attractive destination for any free agent that may um, 
take these meetings in Chicago and they're going to say, okay, well, I'm coming to Chicago. Who's going to help me out? Well, it's not just Zach anymore. You got Vucevic on there on, on that end that is not just a traditional, you know, this big man is, has been dead a long time, really, but he's not a traditional back-to-the-back basket guy that's going to eat up paint space. He can space out and allow you room to operate and score. So uh, you bring a guy in like that, you make that deal 100% of the time. You have to make that deal because you don't want to disgruntle Zach Levine, which where it was heading. We all know that, right? It was heading that way, and it probably got that way, um, and, and understanding probably what was going on behind the door, behind closed doors with the Bulls, with Zach and his talks with uh, Billy Donovan in the front office. Like, look, I, I need some help, bro. Like, I can't keep doing this. I'm going to burn myself out. So they had to make that move to bring Gucci Man in. So you think Gucci Man was enough to keep Zach happy? I think it was part of it. I don't think he was enough. Like, okay, now we got Vucevic. Oh, I'm 100% happy. Like, that's not, you know, I'd be lying if I say that. But that helped, kept, that kept Zach hap- um, willing to stay longer to have that help with him on this side. So I think that helps him. And now it's like, okay, well, we got Vucevic. Who else can we get? Because now Chicago, again, is an attractive destination with Billy Donovan, this new front office. We do, we know that Connor Shoulders is not going to, uh, sit back and, and sit on his hands and not doing anything this offseason, just knowing what he was able to do with the trade with the, with the drafting of Patrick Williams and then also what happened at the trade deadline. Like really nobody saw that coming. Like word, like when I was pulling into work at stadium that day, we had an NBA trade deadline show and I look at my phone before I get out of the car and my alert went up like the Bulls just gotten Nikola Vucevic from Orlando. I'm like, oh, like cursing in my car going crazy. <laughs> like that was a big deal, man. So, yeah, you you have to make that move. And, again, I think that's uh, in part uh, why Zach uh, is, is a little bit more e- at ease. And not to say that he was disgruntled or anything, not not trying to paint that picture, but picture. But we knew we know and even Zach knows this, that he needed some help uh, scoring the ball, just helping leading the team. So quick question, if I start a GoFundMe to send – some money to Adam Silver to make sure we get a top four pick. You uh, you contributing a little bit or what? Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what I I was gonna say. I, well, I'm I'm on the the show, so I can't really say you know count me in as an anonymous anonymous donator. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll drop the bag it's on, for him. It's on, it's on record now, but yeah, I I, I throw a I throw a, some some cash in there. I got you. <laughs> All right, well, it was definitely a weird up-and-down season for the Bulls, but uh, the playing tournament starts on Tuesday. Cam, what's the matchup to watch that's not Lakers-Warriors? Wow, the matchup not to watch that's not Lakers-Warriors? I would say it has to be it has to be Boston and, 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 uh, and, um, and Washington. That, that has to be the matchup, and I have personal ties to that Washington Wizards team. Um, uh, with their coaching staff, but that is something where you have the king of the triple double and Russell Westbrook, the Brody going up against Jason Tatum. Like those are two Titans going back and forth. And I'm not going to mention Bradley Beal because he's not 100%. And if you watched him the other night in the final game for Washington, he just didn't, he didn't look the same. So hopefully he's rested up and healed up to where he can really try and give some kind of contribution uh, against Boston. Because if they get that game, then, hey, it's not going to get any easier, man, because what you're going to have waiting for you is a matchup with the Brooklyn Nets. So um, that's the game that I want to watch. And we know that Boston is going through it, especially with the loss of Jalen Brown, with that uh, with the ligaments torn in his left wrist. So that was a big blow to them. But we've seen Jason Tatum, man, in, in these big games really step up. 
and have some some hellified scoring outputs and, you know, games against Giannis. And we've seen them do things against Brooklyn where you're like, OK, well, you're starting to really, truly make your name in the NBA as, as one of the elite scores. So that's the matchup I'm concerned with. That's what I want to watch other than Lakers Warriors. So I'll be glued into that tomorrow night. I'm surprised that the Celtics are favorites in that because they've been struggling lately and Wizards have actually been playing well. And I feel like in a one-game, like, do-or-die situation, Russell Westbrook is going to fucking be willing to die on that in that court. And if Bradley Bill is 80%, I feel like why wouldn't the Wizards be the favorites at that point? Right, right. And I think a lot of people are, are, are choosing Boston because of Russell Westbrook's just – his track record and he's, he's the only guy like, you, you know, Russ is like when he realizes that, Oh, it's just me. Like the, everybody's dependent on me. Okay. I'm putting up shots. Like I'm getting all the attempts out, but if Bradley Beal can show that he's somewhat healthy and, and get into some kind of rhythm, that'll ease uh, Russ's responsibilities for that night. And that's, that's the beauty of, of these playing games. Like I'm, I flip flop back and forth on if they're good for the league, if they're not good for the league. But when you have matchups like these, especially with Lakers Warriors, like you want to see what's going to happen. Like it feels it has that NCAA tournament March Madness feel to it in a sense, because you have really one game to 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 get yourself into the playoffs um, and solidify your spot. But. Anything can happen, man. You, you just know that's just sports. That's just basketball. Somebody could have a bad night. Somebody could get in foul trouble. God forbid this happens, but somebody could get injured. And that just changes the whole dynamic yep. of the game. When you talk about these one, these, uh, these one game or these one offs that they're going to be going into starting uh, on, on Tuesday. So I, I'm interested, man. I'm ready for it. And I only phrase my question that way, Ken, because we all know we're all looking forward to that Golden State and Los Angeles Lakers matchup. Steph Curry is right now is playing just on a whole new different level. The stuff he can do on the court is just mind-boggling. But LeBron James is coming back healthy. Do the Warriors have enough to take out the Lakers in the situation? Or at least not take them out of the tournament, but move on as a seventh seed and push the Lakers toward another matchup? I think we all know the answer to that, Edgar, and that's no. Like, <laughs> as, great, as great as Steph Curry is, man, and I said this on Twitter uh Sunday when they were playing against Memphis and just seeing Steph go off, I think he had like 17 in the third and then finished off with some crazy threes in the fourth. I was like, basically along, along the lines, like, you know, take what Steph Curry is doing and, 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 and place it on a wall because it's a fine piece of art. Like it's, <laughs> it, it's beautiful what he's doing on a basketball court. You just have to sit back and admire it with him being the greatest shooter of all time. Um, but I just don't think that the Warriors, not not even I don't think, I know they don't have enough to beat a what it seems like a healthy LeBron James. Because if you've been watching him, <laughs> especially against the Pelicans, that ankle looks good. I think the last, the final game, he dropped 25 and he caught a couple of lobs and it was just LeBron James that everyone fears when he when he's healthy and he's got it going. So um, th- just one one thing that's going to hurt Golden State is that th- just their lack of hype and experience in the front court. And you're talking about two grown men and Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond that know that the Warriors are lacking height and don't have anyone that can really defend them in the lane or really provide them resistance from getting offensive rebounds or defensive rebounds. So that's where the Lakers are going to really get their bread and butter is trying to get that basketball into uh, Andre Drummond or AD or even put LeBron on the block and try and see if they can work it that way. Because the biggest thing that the Lakers can do to get a win against Golden State is make it a half court game. You try and go up and down with Gordon's Golden State, 
You're just asking for this game to go late in the fourth quarter and you need to stop and Curry's already cooking and he's coming off that down screen or him and Draymond are working some kind of magic that they always do. And the ball seemingly finds Steph Curry uh, in that final possession with maybe like 15 seconds left and he knocks down a big three to put the Warriors up four. And that's basically kind of ball game after that. So if the Lakers can make it a half court game and really pound Golden State uh, inside the lane with rebounds and points at the points at the rim, points in the paint, then it's going to be a long night for Golden State. Of course, like the Lakers have so many different bodies that they can throw at Steph. Um, of course, LeBron's going to get his crack at it, but you have Wesley Matthews, you have Dennis Schroeder, you have uh, uh, Alex Caruso, Taylor Horton Tucker. They have a lot of guys that they can throw at Steph to really try and wear him down. And then if you're Golden State, who's the, who's the guy that's going to help out Steph? Because at some point, he's going to start to tire out at some point. Like, you're going to need guys to make shots. So, Wiggins, you got to throw Draymond in there. You got to throw Ken Bazemore. These guys have to step up and make shots. So, um, I don't see Golden State beating the Lakers. I think Golden State plays uh, the winner of Memphis and San Antonio, and they get the eighth spot, and they face off against Utah in the first round, and and the Lakers get the seventh spot and face off against Phoenix, which would be a great first-round matchup. Yeah, I'm actually a LeBron stand, so I'm already looking forward to the uh, <laughs> to the Lakers Suns matchup. And it fucking it sucks as Chris Paul because he's got to be pissed. That's like the worst matchup they could possibly get in the first round. No, but if you know Chris Paul, like he he wants that. Like he's a competitor, man. I played against that dude in high school, and he's somebody that doesn't back down from anybody. Like we were at a basketball camp in in Pittsburgh at Five Star Bas- Basketball Camp, and back in the day, that was one of the more prestigious camps. You could attend as a high school basketball player, and in that game, go ahead and talk your shit, was, Cam. You were in that camp. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. There. I got. I got some skills, man. Don't let. Don't let. Don't let this TV thing fool you. Like, don't get you on the court. Like, it's it's, it's a problem for real. I will give you buckets. It's not, it's, it's, it's not what you think it is. So, um, but my my, I got to throw this in that my team beat Chris Paul's team. There you go. But what I was getting to the, the point that I was getting to was his team was down seven. And he was basically trying to run a one-man press and yelling at his other teammates, like, what are y'all doing? The game's not over. Like, he, This dude is still competing. And, and everyone on our team is like, as we're passing the ball around, as he's chasing the ball around, it's like, dude, this game is over. But he's still, like, you know, competing. So he wants he wants that smoke against LeBron in the first round, Leeds. You know he wants that because he wants to go down in history as, as one of the more, you know, or one of, one of the biggest upsets in NBA playoff history of, of Phoenix beating the defending champion LeBron James Lakers. So that's going to that's gonna be something that's, that's interesting. Yeah, and I, I'm a big fan of uh, Chris Paul too because I just feel like he's one of those players where the things that he does on the court don't show up on the stat sheet sometimes. And he's just a, yeah. a smart player. But the reason I say that it's a terrible matchup for the Suns is because of their front court. Like once you get... Once you get DeAndre in and in foul trouble, who's going to pick up Anthony Davis? Who's going to pick up Andre Drummond? And I, like Dario Saric ain't going to stop no one. Like, come on. <laughs> so, so right, I, right. I just, and it sucks because I, I want Chris Paul to get a ring before he retires. Um, and I felt like this is this was going to be one of his best chances in this play-in tournament. Fuck so many. He has to face LeBron in the first round now. Hey, it is what it is. That's why you play the game, right? That's what they always say. Like you, you got to play. If you're gonna, if it's not LeBron, then it's gonna be Ka- Kawhi. Kawhi. Or if it's not Kawhi, it's gonna it's gonna be the Jokic and the Nuggets, or it's gonna be Utah. So you're gonna have to go through somebody to get to just to get to the NBA Finals. And if you get there, you're probably gonna have Brooklyn or Philly for you. So 
It's like however you try and play it out and some of these teams trying to make their roles a little bit easier, you're going to have to run into some smoke at some point. So might as well just get it over with and and get get it into, get into <laughs> it early and just try and get that out the way. You can follow Cam on Twitter at Cameron Smith, and you can catch him on Stadium covering the NBA alongside Sham Sharani on Inside the Association. Cam, we want to thank you so much for joining us today, man. I appreciate you guys. Lee's Edgar, thank you so much. And if you're going to follow me on Twitter, try, try and keep up with what I'm doing on social media. Do not put an E in Cameron. It's C-A-M-R-O-N. If you want to pronounce it Cameron, I'm cool with that. And if you heard that new J. Cole, Cameron back. So, yeah, <laughs> call me Cameron. Real, <laughs> Don't put an E in my name. Real, real quick before you're gone, thoughts on the new J. Cole? I love it. It's, it's fire. Like, it's one of those albums where I sat in my car and I listened once. I listen twice. I listen three times, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> it's getting better and better. Like he was, he was coming with it. He he was talking about some things that uh that Cole needs to get into, and it, it hits on so many different levels. So shout out to J Cole, man, and, and dropping that fire with uh, the off season, man. Yeah, uh, I, I I was a fan of it, but uh, and I was telling Lee's that there's there's not, I don't think there's another artist right now that separates hip-hop fans more than than j cole because i feel like people either hate him or they're just they just you know yeah, they, love, a, they love the guy he's the most polarizing person yeah. out there in hip-hop right now yeah he, he's that man and and shout out to him for the you know the, the the promo campaign that he had going with everything with slam then of course playing in the uh the the bal the basketball africa league put on by the nba so that's that's all big time for him um but it's, it's art, right? And, and art, like a lot of things in life, is subjective. So, you know, love him, hate him. I, I think he's he's dope as hell. Um, he wouldn't be around this long and, and putting out this many uh, albums and songs and just fire if he wasn't dope. So shout out to him. All right. Well, now I know since we're going to be letting you go, man, if we start a rec league, we're going to pick you up. First pick, man. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Just give me give me a, like a week's notice man, so I can secure everything with my wife so she knows where I'm going. <laughs> That pass. I got to get that, that, that hall pass so I can get out. <laughs> <laughs> we got you, man. All right, Cam. Thanks so much for joining us, man. I appreciate you guys. All right, shout out, Cam. Thank you very much for doing that interview with us, uh, talking about how the Bulls got knocked the fuck out of the playoffs. True. This weekend, someone else got knocked the fuck out at UFC 262. Michael Chandler got defeated by Charles Oliveira in the many events, which was actually a pretty good fight. You know what? I, I when that fight was first announced, I thought it was uh, too early for Michael Chandler. Not saying he he wasn't a title contender right off the bat, right off the bat. But I just thought he'd uh, get a couple more fights under his belt before he got a shot at the belt, especially because that lightweight division is so stacked too. Yeah, and that's actually something Tony Ferguson said in the conference a couple of days before the fight. He said that he had the Dana White treatment and he got yeah. fast tracked to the championship, which. You know what he he did well the first round. Um, he did make a couple mistakes, but he hurt Charles Oliveira pretty early. I thought there was a chance they could have stopped it. Right, there, there was a point where he rocked him and uh, Oliveira dropped down, and he he's like kind of like scrambling, trying to reach for some ankles. And he reach looked, for he, ankles. And he looked out. He, he, his head's down. He's on his knees, like just trying to grab at something because right. he, he was just wobbly. And uh, I don't know. I mean. If Chandler pounces on him at, at that point and, you know, gets another couple of shots, I mean, they could have stopped it at that point, I think. Yeah, definitely. But Oliveira was able to compose himself. He actually took his back in the middle of the round, too. Yeah. Uh, and that was actually a point of controversy on Twitter for MMA Twitter. So the judges actually, two of the judges gave it 10-8 round, first round for Michael Chandler. 
And there was a lot of people that were pissed because they were saying that Oliveira controlled two minutes of it on the floor while he had his back. So they're saying, how the fuck can it be a 10-8 round yeah. if he had his back? He actually tried a couple submissions too, but wasn't able to really get them in. Uh, it was like an exciting fight, even though it only went two rounds. Uh, spoiler alert! If you haven't fucking, <laughs> but if you haven't looked at your phone in the past couple of days, but and like in all seriousness, even though it was only two rounds, it was a pretty exciting fight, at least in my eyes. Yeah, the first round there was a lot of back and forth. I think uh, both fighters at some point in that round could have uh, gained control of the fight, but it was a hell of a hell of a first round. Definitely. And uh, Oliveira ended it early in the second. I don't think. Uh, I mean, obviously, we all know him for his grappling and his submission, but. Don't don't let it fool you, man. The the guy can crack. That was a hell of a that was a hell of a left hand he put on, buddy. Yeah, it feels like he's kind of a, a controlled striker. It's not where he's super explosive, yeah. but everything's super precise, and he's putting it right exactly where he wants. And now you know the first thing that happens when you beat someone, it's going to be the talk of who's next, right? Right. So a lot of people are talking about the Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. McGregor fight in July. Yep. Yep. The winner to be the person that goes against him. I actually. I kind of don't want that, honestly. Uh, the, you know who I would think would be a fucking banger of a fight? Gaethje. Yeah. Yep. That would be a, a good-ass fight. That would be a fucking banger of a fight. Justin Gaethje versus Charles Oliveira. Because Oliveira is not going to be loading up. He's going to be throwing shots as he comes in. And Gaethje has a fucking chin. So he's going to try to walk through them, throw those fucking kicks at ankles and shit, wherever, <laughs> wherever he can <laughs> land. Not even calf kicks. He's just throwing that shit at your ankle. I think that would be a fun fight. Um, but, I mean... Personally, I'm not a Conor McGregor fan, so hopefully he fucking loses against Dustin Poirier. I think he will. I think Conor's washed. I think Conor's yeah. He's over, he's over that hill. He doesn't he doesn't have that same uh, some fire and passion to to get him through fights like that. Ooh, fire and passion, huh? Yeah, it's all about money now for him, which is good. Like, hey, make your money. If Dana White keeps wanting to throw you in these main events and get you paid, sure. But like, I think we all agree we haven't seen uh, the Conor McGregor of past in his recent fights here. Yeah, definitely. Even when he beat Cowboy, we were like, okay, this, who doesn't Cowboy lose to nowadays? True. With all respect to Cowboy, but. He'll beat my ass, but. Yeah. Man, it was like that. you. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't supposed to agree that quick. <laughs> no, did you see that video where some, I guess like he cut off, he might have cut off some dude and they pulled into a gas station and like Buddy started talking shit to him? No, I didn't. And Cowboy Cerrone was recording it on his phone and he was just like laughing it off and he's like. Dude, I could hear like, you. yo, sit down, bro. Yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are you doing right now? That'd be funny as shit. And I, don't, and I don't think the guy like ever recognized him. I thought he was like, whoa, whoa, get out of the truck. What, what are you doing, bud? And like, Cowboy just laughing it off. He was like, you fucking. You fucking fuck. You fucking. If hey, only you knew. Hey, get the fuck out of here. Fuck out of here. Get <laughs> the, the fuck out of here. Nah, but. um, Yeah. It, the what, second fight was, um, or second to last fight, the co-main event was Ferguson versus Bernal Dariush, which every a lot of people. Yeah, that was the co-main. A lot of people were thinking that whoever's going to be the winner of that might get the champion just because they're fighting on the same card. That way they can build that hype up. You know, the, the UFC likes to do shit like that. I don't think it's going to happen because Conor McGregor's name is too fucking huge. But it was a sad fucking point watching that fight because you could tell Tony Ferguson is toast. Yeah, I think Gaethje broke him, man. <laughs> he, he, left, he left his soul in that ring and during that fight, man. In yeah, the octagon he, during that fight. Honestly, he does not look the same. No. He... He was never like a huge, I don't know, like technician or anything, I would say. He was more of like a, I'm going to overwhelm you. And he was like, his free flow and style is what kind of made him exciting. And and now that he lost the step, it's allowing him to get tagged. Yeah. And it was funny because even in the post-fight conference, um, Darius said, how the fuck did he not tap? 
when he had <laughs> but that, that shout out to fucking tony ferguson he's a yeah. tough ass guy but it's always easy to say from the outside like retire because that's something that he's so competitive in but it's just something you don't want to see him get brain dead even though he fucking practices like he's an idiot <laughs> his fucking practice <laughs> routines are fucking hilarious do you think he's kind of like the next cowboy he's just gonna hang on and take take on these fights and become sort of a stepping stone i don't think so i think he will transition to like grappling shit because he's he's still a good grappler but he just can't take those hits anymore i think yeah he got rocked a couple times i can't see him continue for much longer i think he's older too i think he's like 38 hey stetson info get on it yeah tony's 37 37 yeah, yeah 37 to be in this in this game to get get especially, rocked and, especially yeah. in that division what if habib yeah. comes back you're gonna be like i just want to get my t- 31st win against you <laughs> <laughs> just beat your ass and he'll take it, man. Like you said, Tony. Tony's a fighter, man. But yeah, it's been it's been tough watching him fight recently. I'm not sure. I just don't want him to end up like Diego Sanchez. Have you been seeing any of the stuff that's been going on with him? Mm-mm. So Diego Sanchez, for those that don't know, is like one of the first uh, the Ultimate Fighter competitors. So he goes way back. He's probably like 2004, 2005 range and shit. He's still fighting. He actually just recently got cut by the UFC, but it's because his head trainer is a fucking nutcase. Like, he... It, it seems like he's in a cult because of his trainer. I, I promise you. Like, if you... if The you, fighter is in a cult? It seems like trainer? it. Yeah. Because he just, like, follows everything he says. Um, And this guy has weird-ass tactics. Like, he has no MMA background. And he's teaching him... Quote-unquote, teaching him how to strike by... Is he his only fighter? Yes. He, he, he looks like fucking uh, Steven Seagal. When he when he hits the fucking bag, <laughs> like he just does like dumbass movements. Um, they showed one of his training techniques for more than five minutes. Diego Sanchez was upside down hanging, and this guy was throwing kicks at his head. What the fuck? Yeah. So like a a lot of MMA fighters are like, yo, yo, get the fuck out, like yeah. <laughs> get, get out the of fuck the, out of get here, the fuck out of here, literally, like run, motherfucker. What yeah. are you doing with this guy? Yeah, so that's weird. There's a lot of people reaching out, MMA fighters that are reaching out to him, trying to be like, yo who you're with right now it's not working it's not yeah. like real is he like one of them like strip mall mma instructors he's a fucking, like fucking snake oil salesman. <laughs> yeah snake oil salesman he's just like this is gonna make you like a better fighter and tony ferguson's weird and i feel like he would fall into that trap because like his training techniques is like him break dancing and dumb shit like that yeah but that's that's more him just like fucking around in the gym kind of i want to believe <laughs> have you seen any regular fucking training <laughs> No, but who wants to watch regular? Who wants to watch regular Tony Ferguson train video? Me. No, I want to see him throwing around fucking uh, the black box. Yeah, the, <laughs> the ones where you do jump. What, it, what are those fucking called? I don't know. Box jumps. Box jumps. Yeah, yeah. the box jumps boxes. <laughs> He's just fucking tossing them over his head and yeah, dude, he looks, flips on them like he know, looks so stupid in those. Tony GBU, it's fine. He looks like the little kids that are in like the fucking McDonald's playpen. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, and he comes out with the fucking like the fingerless gloves to press conferences and the, throwing a baseball. Was it the last fight when he's just like had a baseball the entire time? You're like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah, he's he's fucking cringeworthy. Dude. He's a unique guy. Unique is a good way to say it. I mean, I'm trying not to be mean to the guy. He's a respected a fighter in the UFC. You come here and beat your ass, boy. I don't give a fuck. Put you in. I ain't gonna tap though. Darsh choke. Yeah, you will. Hell no, nah, I'll fucking go to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably tap. <laughs> I'm just talking bullshit. But 
I, I just don't want to see that for, for Tony Ferguson, man. It, and the crazy part is both of those fights were pretty good, and I still think that there was another fucking fight of the night. Yeah, I agree. I think you're, if you, I know what you're talking about with that uh, featherweight match between Shane Burgos and Edson Barbosa. Yes, sir. Yeah, that fight when we were watching it, it's just he went out like a light. Well, it was just like such a, a it was such a delayed <laughs> reaction. I mean, a these guys were trading shots the whole the whole fight. And I I kind of wanted to paint a picture for this fight. So, um, shout out Vanessa. So, congratulations. She Big actually shout out. graduated with her masters. Her masters, masters. She wants to be the smartest dead guy who has that. Um, you know what's going to keep me warm? These, these degree. degrees. No, but we actually uh, went to her backyard to be able to watch the fights. I ended up being a hype and buying a projector just so we could watch the fights in the backyard. <laughs> and trust me, it was a Best fucking... purchase you've made. I, I, oh, yeah, hands I'm down. I'm just going to put that out there because you kind of convinced me to, to get one of those, too. It, it was fucking nice. It comes nice. in handy. Yeah, it comes in handy. It was nice. Um Man, hit a Best Buy promo code Yap Shot. I'm just <laughs> That's where I ended up getting that shit. But we're, we're in the back. It's like a few of the guys watching the fight. And it's funny because I believe you and Cap say something and turn around and talk to each other. Or you guys were talking to Los. Yeah. And shout out Los. And 47th Street Bistro, what up? And um, True. as soon as you guys looked at each other, the other fighter fell down. And you guys were like, Oh, I missed the punch or I missed the hit. And I was yeah. just like, you guys didn't actually. <laughs> like, you guys saw the hit, but. And we both looked at you like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. Man? Like, no one knew what I was talking about. I was just right. like, no, he he got hit by that punch you guys saw. And then you guys looked at each other. It was like a three second delay. So that's in Barbosa. I think he threw like an overhand right, caught Buddy Flush in the temple. And then there was like a, like you said, like a three second delay where they, were, they weren't training or anything. They were just like squared up. Yeah. And then you see like. You see Shane like shut down before our eyes. He's like, Bew. yeah, brain damage, damage, damage. We could yeah. we could play the the Microsoft power off sounder right now. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. He just powered down, fell back, and we looked at each other like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. So, I mean, you'll be okay, Shane. If you're listening to this, dude, hope, hope you're doing great, buddy. Honestly, but, uh, he, what the hell was that? He's he's his body just gave out, but he he is an exciting fighter. All of his fights have been fucking awesome that I've seen. Um, but it was just weird because most of the time you see that with like body shots. Yeah. This one looked mm-hmm. a little bit weirder and scarier because you saw it in his face. His face just completely turned off. He like, <laughs> so after he got hit, he kind of took a couple steps back and then he like tried to open his eyes twice. And then I, I'm guessing he just saw white or something. And just fucking don't go to the light. <laughs> no, because that's what uh, Rory McDonald versus Robbie Lawler. Yeah, he said that's all he saw. All he saw was white. Hey, if you guys have ever watched, probably one of the most exciting fights ever, Rory McDonald versus Robbie Lawler. It's a fucking banger of a fight. Um, Robbie <laughs> Robbie Lawler fucking hits Rory McDonald with a straight left, and he said that. His nose was completely pushed in, by the way. Ugh. His lips were fucking bloody. If you guys look up a photo of Rory McDonald, it's probably going to be one of the first photos you see. It's the prototypical, so you want to be a fighter. Like, that's the fucking thing that they use for that photo. He said afterwards, all he saw was white. He couldn't see anything else. And he he's fought for, like, a few more, like, seconds. He, like, did another exchange or two. 
and then he just crumbled. And Edgar just saw the photo oh of his God, face. Oh, my God, dude. And the first thing he did was, like, open his mouth. Fucking right now. I, I'm going to give you guys 10 seconds right now. Make it five seconds. Look up uh, Rory McDonald versus Robbie Lawler. Just the images and look at his face. All right. Five, four, three, two. Oh man, these fighters are animals. <laughs> God damn! How do you keep fighting with like your face just mangled? Ah. If you yeah, if you see it, his nose is completely flat. Yeah, it was just <laughs> flat up because his nose is gone. G. Yeah, fucking Gumby ass looking motherfucker. <laughs> oh man, I can never be a fighter, man. Fuck that. Both his lips are fucking busted, completely open. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that was ugly. Yeah, so that that was fucking crazy to see. Yeah, good fights. Uh, it was a good night, man. Yeah, it was a good night. It was a good night. It was fun. We, like like you said, we got together for a graduation party. Shout out to all the graduates across the city, across the country, across the world. You know, it, to the millions <laughs> and millions. Uh, yeah, but shout out to everyone graduating. Yeah, for sure. Um, but specifically Vanessa. <laughs> yeah, because she invited us to her party. Yep, and we booze the fuck out. And we got a projector. Tap the projector. The best part of that of uh of our fighting viewing experience that night though was us trying to rewatch the Cotto versus Margarito <laughs> fight, Cap. and Cap instantly threw a fit and just stood in front of the projector and refused to let us watch that fight again. He was dead ass like a little kid got in front of him. <laughs> he, he was like, "Come on, man!" He looked sad too. He was right? dead ass. Dude. He was like dead ass. I like, didn't want us to watch it. So that's going to be the highlight that we're going to use for our uh, Twitter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Him take Koto <laughs> taking a knee. <laughs> nah, that, that, was a, that was a fucking good night, though. Yeah, it was a really cool night. Uh, projector and all, we were all sitting around watching the fights. And it's funny because obviously everyone there knows we're the podcast guys. So they're all kind of sitting around. We're all talking sports. And uh, who knows? It kind of felt like a live event, like we were doing a, like a live event at a party or something. But, you know, it might be uh, something that's possibly coming up yeah maybe uh we uh we're looking into doing some uh, a live show somewhere who knows yeah maybe if you guys show some interest that uh on social media we might be able to you know finagle a little something yeah hit us up on uh on twitter at yap chicago underscore or on instagram at yap chicago and maybe you know uh do a little bit of trivia do a little trivia give out some uh some some merch some some bottle openers some new shirts which, yeah. by the way, we got some new shirts. We we restocked. First of all, thank you to everyone that got the first run of our Yap Chicago shirts. We really appreciate that, and we had a restock because we we completely so ran out. So, Fernie, I still have your medium at the crib. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a, a new run of shirts. They're a little different from the ones we had because the the color is different. It's still the same yellow logo, but it's it's more of a, a true navy blue texture, style. But the, a little different. But the shirt has it's it's the quality. I made sure the quality was still nice. It's not the same, but it's still a soft, nice T-shirt. It's 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 great. But I I think that's going to be something that we're we're trying to do, and in, in, it's something we're trying to do behind the scenes. So yeah, we'll talk to some people. We'll we'll see what the interest is out there, and uh, if if anything, fuck it, we could just make it our own. We're just we just do a bar takeover, not even tell anybody. We just show up. Definitely, but. Honestly, all you, wearing Yap Chicago shirts. If you, you want one, let me know. Hit me up. If you guys show love on social media, it would make it a ton easier. Um, like, share, tell a friend. Uh, and it's not only for for the podcast, but also the social media portion of it. You know, we we yeah, we're trying we're trying to step up our Instagram game out there. We're putting up clips. 
So if you see the clips on, on your Instagram, make sure you like it. Make sure you share it. Pass it along. If you, not, not just that, but if you enjoy the show, we made you laugh, you learned something, just, just share it with a friend. We're, and, try, we're trying to grow this. And no bullshit. We actually just like interacting with people too. Yeah, um, for sure. It, it's, that's the part that we like the most out of it. It's the fact that we kind of get to shit talk with other people because some someone will bring something else up and we'll just kind of riff off that. Right. So we, we do like the interaction, guys. So thank you very much if you have already. But if you could please share, like, rate, review, swipe left or right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I think you're on the wrong app there. But. <laughs> and also don't only follow us, but make sure that you um, you hit up Tribe Coffee Co. as well. They're social media game strong on Instagram at Tribe Coffee LLC. And they repost a lot of our own stuff um, because we always give them shout outs as well. But that fucking coffee is amazing. Um, honestly, I stopped ordering Starbucks just so I can have that. I have a couple of those bags at, at the crib already. So yeah, fuck Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. Damn. Who else? Like I'm brand loyal. G Tim, Tim Hortons. Fuck them. That's coffee spot, right? Canada. Maybe fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) You gonna get the tribe coffee coat tatted on you. Yup. You ain't Dan. I mean, if you guys, if you guys, if you guys keep using promo code, yep. Shy. How about this? If you get a thousand likes on a fucking post on Twitter from now to the next episode, so fucking three days. Oh no, no way! Because I know how social media works. For some reason, it's gonna, <laughs> for some fucking That's weird gonna reason, pops it's up. gonna blow up, and I'm gonna have to get a fucking tribe coffee. I love tribe coffee. Don't get me wrong; it's great. But you love your body even more. But my body's my temple. My body. <laughs> my body's my temple, and I can't just uh, throw a bunch of things all willy nilly. I don't know. What if like Tribe wants to like pay me for it? Because that's lifetime advertisement now. That's true. Every, hey. time, every time I go to the beach, you know, you just talked yourself out and then back I in. I just convinced <laughs> you back. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, uh, tribe Coffee Co. You listening, man? Hit me up. How about this? If you you leave this part in, and then that way you find out which of your friends are actually listening to the podcast because it's at the end. Yeah, it's a good test. That's a good try. <laughs> <laughs> you better like that fucking uh do that Twitter post. I never agreed to that, but but you didn't not agree. We'll, we'll see how many it gets. Again, Yap Chicago underscore on Twitter at Yap Chicago on Instagram. You can also follow my pages directly at EP seven seven three underscore on both Twitter and Instagram at Lee's nine two two on Twitter and on Instagram. I think it's just my name, Melissa Crow. Yeah. If not, if you just look me up, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be right now. <laughs> So thanks to Cameron Smith for joining us today. It's wrap up the bull season for Lee's. I'm Edgar. Good night. We'll see you guys next time. Justin Fields, QB1, clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. Make it happen. Make it happen.